Welcome to another edition of Anthony T's Howard Wrestling Show. I'm Anthony T. This is the first episode of 2024. And you know what that means, everyone. It's January, and I take my look back at the year of 2023. With the 6th annual Horror Whammies, the 6th annual Horror Show Awards, and the best of 2023 list in which I will bring a guest on after those episodes. As that's right, this episode here will focus on the worst of 2023 in awards format. This is the Horror Whammies, the equivalent of the Razzies that they do every year in Hollywood dishonorably giving out awards to the worst in cinema. The Horror Whammies is the worst in horror. That means you get worst actors, worst film, worst independent film, etc., etc. This is usually probably the shortest of the three shows. As next episode, I will do the 6th Annual Horror Show Awards. Which is like the Oscars, pretty much, in my opinion. And the third episode is the best of 2023 list, where I'll bring someone on to talk about the best films of 2023. These are usually the hottest to produce in terms of episodes. Out of all the episodes I produce all year, these are the hottest ones. So, that's where you have... To look forward to in the next month or so here on the podcast. Meaning you'll get no news unless something breaks that's really newsworthy that I have to take time away to talk about. Without any major news breaking, it has to be really major for me to get off the awards format show and talk about it on the podcast. Because I don't talk about news during this time unless it's really a topic that's earth-shattering. It has to be, like, earth-shattering for me to break away from format of these episodes. So, this episode, you got the worst of awards. Then, in what's Anthony T. watching, for the next two episodes, it'll be 2023... Rewind, where yours truly will be talking about a couple of 2023 films that I did not talk about on this podcast. And there's plenty to choose from because we had a actor's strike this past year. So you don't know which two films I will talk about. I'm keeping that a secret. So with that, coming up next is the 6th Annual Horror Whammies. Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. A weekly podcast here. The discussion is about the most recent horror and genre films. Intelligent talk on a genre that deserves intelligence. A conversation between co-hosts discussing not only the film, but also the connotation that the directors and screenwriters are trying to articulate. When you want more than a review, listen to Dark Discussions. Speaking of perception, there's just one more scene I want to talk about, which is after Caleb discovers that Kyoto's a robot, Kyoto kind of peels off her skin, showing him what's underneath. Now, wait a minute. I know where you're going with this, but tell me you weren't already thinking this 15 minutes earlier in the film. Exactly what he's thinking at that moment. Which is he's a robot, too. Oh, I considered the possibility. Right, and that's what I like, is the fact that the writers are smart enough to know that this is what the audience would be thinking. We've all seen Blade Runner. <laughs> right, exactly. www.darkdiscussions.com Wherever podcasts are found. Welcome back. This is the 6th Annual Horror Whammies. This is the 6th 
year I've been doing this on the podcast. Every January, I do this awards type episodes. This is the second year in which the Horror Whammies and the Horror Show Awards have had separate episodes on the podcast. Figured divide it up so we're not here for like for an extremely long time like the last new episode of 2023 where we're there for about almost 80 minutes or so. So I don't want to get to that point where yours truly is doing an 80 minute podcast. It's not fun. Trust me. I like breather in my podcasts. And an hour is sufficient. That's enough. So with that, I decided last year to divide the Horror Whammies and Horror Show Awards into separate episodes. So with that, this is the 6th Annual Horror Whammies. Now, what I'll do is this. First, I'll say what happened in last year's category. Then I will announce... The winner of this year's category, or this honorable mention in this case, for this year. Then I'll go into thoughts to why this film earned that moniker. We start off with the most disappointing film. Now this is an award where I had high hopes going into a film, and it was so dashed that it was so disappointing. And there were a couple films where I felt like this year, I felt like I was disappointed a lot. But this film was basically more disappointing than all the others. Looking back at 2022, I chose Halloween Ends as the most disappointing film. After the year before, I chose Halloween Kills as the most disappointing film. You can see why. But I was even more disappointed with Halloween Ends than I was with Halloween Kills. So that's why it won last year. Plus the fact that it was the worst horror film in 2022. The 6th annual horror whammy for most disappointing horror film goes to... Knock at the Cabin. That's right, M. Night Shyamalan had a film this year. And this is a film going into... I had high expectations for. Even so, it had Dave Bautista in it, so it was definitely going to be a must-see no matter what. It started off good, but as this film went on, it became so predictable by probably the first 25-30 minutes into this film, what the end of this film was going to be. And it's just the screenplay in this film. It just made it look so predictable. You could see the ending a mile away. You could see if these four antagonists holding this couple hostage were telling the truth or not. You could easily see that maybe by the first 30 minutes to halfway through the film that you knew how this film was going to end. And... The thing with M. Night Shyamalan films is they're either hit or miss. They're either hit in a good way where you don't see the end coming or you just see the end coming and literally it ruins the whole film for you. And the shock ending. As they tried for a shock ending, but I thought I knew what was going to happen halfway through this film. I just knew what was going to happen. Literally. I think he made the clues way too obvious. And I think that was the problem with his screenplay here. With Knock at the Cabin. Because you need a screenplay that has to be unpredictable. And that Shyamalan can do great films. He can do really bad films too. And this was one of them. Because it was just way too predictable. And that's the problem with his films. He likes to do these shock endings. But sometimes he writes in a way where you see the ending coming a mile away. And when you see the ending coming a mile away, it removes any suspense of what happens. 
It's just bad screenwriting. 101. That's what Knock at the Cabin was. Bad screenwriting 101. The fact that it just tries to go for this big shock ending and you are able to snuff it out like I did. Right in the middle of it. You can't have that in a film. It takes away any credibility of a film. At that point, you just wait for the film to end to see if you're right. Because if you're right, then it's a bad screenplay. If you're wrong, then, well, you you got me. That's the problem with M. Night Shyamalan films. He tries to go for these shock endings every time. He tries to get you off guard. Sometimes it works. Sometimes you catch him. And I kind of caught where he was going with the story. And where it was going to end. A mile away. And I wanted this film to be good. Seriously. But it had a really bad screenplay. And a predictable ending. So that's why Knock at the Cabin is my most disappointing film of 2023. Moving on. Why did I watch this film when I knew this film was going to be bad? Last year, I had the remake of Firestarter. I only saw the film because it was on Peacock. If it wasn't on Peacock, it probably would not get on this list. This year, it's a similar story. This film was on Peacock as well. The sixth annual horror whammy for why did I watch this film when I knew this film was going to be bad goes to Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Yeah, I heard of all the reviews going into this film of how bad and atrocious this film was. I wanted to watch it, A, because, well, I wanted to see if it'd be a guilty pleasure film. You know, one of those films like, say, Jason X. But no, it wasn't like that film. It was just... Completely a bad film from start to finish. It was one of those films that really felt amateurish. You know, something you would see from like Wild Eye releasing, SRS Cinema, those labels. As Way of the Pool, Blood and Honey was just an atrocious film. It was so atrocious. At one point, I literally had another film, which I will get to later as my worst film of the year. But this film really topped that film by a landslide. It was not close. I kept saying to myself every time I was watching this film, why did I watch this film? Why? Why did I torture myself into... Clicking the button on Peacock and then click the watch button to watch this film. Because seriously, I really could have used those 80, 90 minutes of my life back. As it was amateur hour. That film was just amateur hour from everything after the animated beginning. Everything felt amateurish. This film had a good animated beginning. But after that, this film just goes off the rails very quickly. The killer's masks are atrocious. The characters are unlikable. The story sucked. This was just one of those films where I was wondering, why did I have to see this film? Seriously. Why did I buy into the hype of this film? And the worst part of all of this is, this film... Got a theatrical release. I know, one of those one night releases, but still, it got a theatrical release. Why? Who came up with the idea to put this film in theaters? Seriously. I know it was for one night, but who in their right mind thought this film would be the next terrifier? Terrifier and Terrifier 2 looked professional. This film did not look like a professional film. I'm sorry. It looked atrocious. And the worst thing about it is we're getting a sequel to this film. Why? And it started a new craze too in the process. 
the fairy tale horror films. Because they're already here. And I really wonder why do we need these types of films? Why do we need all these popular fairy tale characters having their own horror films? It's not going to work. If you're an indie filmmaker, make something original. Don't go and try to make a Winnie the Pooh or a Cinderella horror film. I, I even heard there was a Peter Pan horror film, I think, in the works as well. I don't need these types of films. I'm sorry. Be original, indie filmmakers. Don't take the easy way out. And it's just going to be atrocious. Like Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey was, and that's why it earned the distinct award of why did I watch this film when I knew this film was going to be bad. And you will hear more about this film later on. That's a guarantee. Moving on. Worst sequel or adaptation or remake. Last year, I had Halloween Ends. That took a lot of awards last year, including this one. The 6th Annual Horror Whammies Award for Worst Sequel, Adaptation, or Remake goes to Children of the Corn. That's right, a remake of Children of the Corn appeared in 2023. And this one was a really bad film to sit through. After most of this year, this film was a film where yours truly thought would be the worst film of the year, literally. But still, this film was just so bad, everything. Bad CGI, bad acting. This had all the ingredients of the worst film of the year type. Because Children of the Corn was not a film I enjoyed at all. I thought the original Children of the Corn was an okay film. It wasn't a great film, but it was a really good film. Why did we really need another remake of Children of the Corn? What was it, the second or third remake of this short story by Stephen King? And it just gets worse. Seriously. It was something that we did not need in 2023. But we got it anyway, courtesy of Shudder. And yes, it was an awful film. It was one of those films that left me scratching my head, wondering why I chose to watch this film. I am not a fan of this gothic, southern gothic horror, rural horror genre of horror. It doesn't appeal to me as much as, say, like, vampires, slasher films, zombies, such on. But anyway, since it was on Shudder, and it was a high-profiled film on Shudder, I decided to check the film out. And yes, I earned a really bad film for my troubles. This leads me to the next award. Worst Scene or Scenes. Now, this is a category that makes me embarrassed to be a horror fan. I watch a lot of horror films over 2023. In fact, over 100 horror films, to be exact. You think it might be a hard time to pick out a couple scenes, but this was very easy to pick out a worse scene or scenes. Because there was... Such outrage from me that I even said it made me embarrassed to be a horror fan. But first, let me recap last year. I chose for 2022 Corey Cunningham ripping off Michael Myers' mask and taking it for himself. Yeah, that was probably the worst scene in the history of the Halloween franchise. If that isn't the worst scene in the... Halloween franchise, name me another one. Because having someone rip off Michael Myers' mask, putting it on himself, and just push Michael Myers to the side and escape. And Michael Myers doesn't chase him and goes on a killing spree for himself. 
That doesn't happen to Michael Myers. I'm sorry. I don't care if this is old man Michael Myers. It just doesn't happen to Michael Myers. That someone takes advantage of him and runs away scot-free without any repercussions till later in the film. I did not get that at all. I'm sorry. And I still don't get that scene in Halloween Ends. That's probably the worst scene in probably the last 20 years of horror, quite frankly. Anyway, the 6th Annual Horror Whammy for Worst Scene or Scenes goes to the beginning of Children of the Corn. That will make it number two for the remake of Children of the Corn. And I did not like the first 10, 15 minutes of this film. In fact, I was so outraged that it went in a direction where I don't believe belongs in the horror genre, quite frankly. It just, with everything going on in the world today... That scene really felt unnecessary and just felt very trauma-like. It's like, I don't like it when horror films go after kids. But you implied a character going into a schoolhouse with a gun, shooting people. I'm sorry. I was so outraged by that scene. It made me so embarrassed to be a horror fan. It doesn't need to be in horror. That type of stuff does not need to be in horror. Period. This is something that was out of a trauma film. I expect a trauma film to do that. And I would be angry at trauma if they did that too. Because scenes where you're having these mass shootings at schools do not need to be in horror films. It's disgusting. And that's how I felt, disgusted at the filmmakers. And I even pointed that out in my review of that film this year. That I was so pissed off at the screenwriters of that film for putting that in the beginning of this film. Because seriously, that has no place in horror. I'm sorry. You could do everything else, but that does not have no place in horror and it really makes me downright disturbed to be a horror fan when a horror filmmaker goes that way horror filmmakers should not be going that way as that should be a sensitive topic that's off limits literally mass shootings that imitate current events should not be in horror films and i think the Children of the Corn remake went too far with that scene. Even though it's implied, it went too far. And it did not need to go there. It was downright disgusting and made me so embarrassed to be a horror fan. And that's why I won Worst Scene or Scenes. Next award, Worst Idea of the Year. Usually goes to an executive or a studio for coming up with the dumbest idea or statement of the year. Last year I had Discovery gutting HBO Max while in the process moving Evil Dead Rise to theaters and the continuing rotation of release dates for Salem's Lot. Well, Salem's Lot was supposed to come out last year. And it didn't come out this year neither. So it continues to rotate release dates as it's still off the schedule. As there's been talk of putting that film on HBO Max now. As that's a rumor. After Evil Dead Rise going into theaters, it was probably a great idea by Discovery to put Evil Dead Rise in theaters. Because it actually did well in theaters. It got a lot of positive reviews, and if the film got stuck on HBO Max, it would have been a big crime that that film did not make it to the big screen, because that was a great film. I really liked that film a lot. It's one of the best films of 2023. Now back to the awards ceremony. The 6th Annual Horror Whammy for Worst Idea of the Year goes to Bob 
Liger, who angered members of the SAG after Actors Union this year by saying their demands for a labor contract with higher pay and limits on use of artificial intelligence were unreasonable. A lot of this podcast this year was about the strike, as it took up a lot of time. The after strike took up a good chunk of it. And Bob Iger was probably one of the most talked about topics of the year. Not in a good way, obviously. Because it led me to do a rant proclaiming that he is an idiot. And the way Disney did this year, I can't say that I'm right. He is an idiot. Because Disney really suffered this year. Strike or no strike. It suffered. But making idiotic statements that actors want more money and not have AI take over Hollywood, which is stupid. Seriously, Bob. It's still stupid. And that was part of the podcast this year. The whole actor's strike. One of the highlights was that stupid statement by Bob Iger. Because Bob Iger is still an idiot. Congrats to Bob for the Harawami win. But he's still an idiot. Moving on to worse editing. Last year I had Halloween ends for worst editing. The sixth annual Harawami for worst editing goes to Children of the Corn. The 2023 remake. And yes, this film had a lot of problems. I'm telling you. One of them was its editing. This film really moved at a slow pace. It was one of those films where I just was like, when is something going to pick up? Everything was dragging. The dialogue scenes. The action. This is one of those films where I wished it was sped up a little bit. Because literally, this was not a fun film to sit through. Its 93-minute runtime might as well could have been three hours and three minutes. Seriously. As everything literally felt like it was dragging. And I don't know if they edit CGI, but the CGI was also horrible. Literally. Everything could have been edited. The ending could have been edited. Some of the middle could have been edited. This could have been an 80-minute film. And it wouldn't have been good, but at least it would have been moving a little bit more faster than what we got with this film. It just literally, the editing in this film was just so horrible. I was waiting for something to move along, and the scenes just kept dragging on. When you go from scene to scene, it's like I was waiting for something to speed up this film. And literally, it just didn't speed up for me. Literally. It probably should have been an 80-minute film. Or less, quite frankly. As there is some stuff you could cut out of this film. Including probably a little bit of that ending, which was so horrible. Probably one of the worst endings of the year. It was such atrocious. It was just like, I'm watching a film that just drags on. And when you feel like you're watching a film that just drags on for like 93 minutes, it can feel like a lifetime. And that's what it felt like watching this film. As the editing really was bad. I wish they had better editing as I literally think this should have been an 80-minute film or less, quite frankly. Make that number three for the remake of Children of the Corn, as that's the third award that the Children of the Corn remake has won at this year's Halloweenies. Moving on, worst screenplay. Last year... I chose Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Yeah, remember that remake on Netflix? That was awful. And it really 
left a bad taste in my mouth. The sixth annual horror whammy for worst screenplay goes to Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Yeah, it was a no-brainer that this film would win worst screenplay because literally Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey was flat out awful. There were two films this year that were flat out awful. That and the Children of the Corn remake. But what gives Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey the edge over Children of the Corn was the fact this felt amateurish. Everything felt like amateur hour. Writer-director Reese Frank Waterfield's screenplay was abysmal. This had everything that it felt like some fifth grader wrote. It had no character development. It had whiny characters. It had kill scenes that were like uninteresting. You didn't care about any of the characters in the film. Because literally I didn't care about any of those characters in that film. You turned Christopher Robbins into an annoying character. It's like he single-handedly destroyed Winnie the Pooh. And yes, I know it's a horror film. And the original Winnie the Pooh was a Disney cartoon. And a children's book. But to tell me you use a children's book character and make him a killer is the dumbest idea ever. It's just so silly. It's like those Sharknado films. Literally. I also didn't like the fact that Waterfield didn't have a story with this film. He was literally lying on Winnie the Pooh and Piglet the entire film. You just have these two characters just kill people. That's what this film felt like. There's no character development to any of the characters. The characters you give us are annoying. You made Christopher Robbins annoying. You made the whole mythology stupid. It's like, I don't want to see fairy tales being adapted into horror films. I'm sorry. I don't want to see that. But Rye Frank Waterfield apparently is going to continue to do it because he's doing a sequel to this film. And this... Is not good. Seriously. It felt like it was taking the easy way out in a lot of things in this screenplay. He makes the whole mythology and the Winnie the Pooh character's motive so stupid that it just felt dumb. And the story didn't help matters neither. It's like, you need characters. This is why I clamor if you're an independent filmmaker, to write your own original screenplay. Because I respect indie filmmakers who write their own screenplays and fail than indie filmmakers that tend to use the latest trends or use now fairy tale characters in their horror films so they can get their films brought by a distributor. And that's ridiculous. It's garbage. And Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey was garbage. And atrocious. Make that number two for Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey at this year's Horror Whammies. The next award, Worst Actress. Last year, I had Sarah Yakin for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The sixth annual Horror Whammy for Worst Actress goes to Jenna Malone for Consecration. Now, Consecration was a bad film. It was literally one of the worst films I saw this year. And one of the reasons why I did not like this film a lot was its lead performance. And Jenna Malone is usually a good actress. She's done some good work in the past. It's just her, she was not good in this film. I was not into her character at all. And if you're a lead character... You have to be the focal point of the film. Meaning the performance has to be good in order for 
the viewer to be interested in the material. And quite frankly, I was not interested in her character or nor her performance in the film. Because literally, I was feeling bored watching her on screen. As I really think her character was like this one-note character throughout this film. And when you're playing a character one-note and you're the lead character in the film, it's not a good sign that the film is going to be good. And it was not good. I've seen bad films where there's good performances in it. This didn't have it. I was literally bored. I did not care about the character's search for the truth, nor... The time she spent in the convent. I didn't care for any of that. As I was literally bored watching this film. I wanted this film to be good. I thought this would be a good film. But it was not a good film. Instead it was a very boring film. And Malone really did not do a good job in making sure she had a good enough performance to keep you at least interested in the material. Because, let's face it, the film also has problems. Screenplay, direction, all that stuff too. But it's the performance that really made me not care about this film at all. And I like Jenna Malone, but not this film. And that's why I gave her a worst actress for consecration. Next up, worst actor. Last year, I chose Jared Leto for Morbius. The sixth annual horror whammy for worst actor goes to Adam Driver, 65. Please, I do not need to see Adam Driver in another film ever again. Please. Because, literally, this guy should not be allowed to lead films. As his performance in 65 was horrendous. I know, it was a 90-minute film. But still, it was so horrible. This sci-fi, borderline horror film, which is horrible. Literally, from start to finish. And a lot of it had to do with Adam Driver in this film. Because I don't buy him as a lead actor. He has no charisma, period. He never had charisma in the Star Wars films. I know we're off horror here. But seeing him in 65 really was like, why did they cast this guy in the lead role? He makes his character so dull. He gives the same performance time in, time out. At times, I thought I was literally watching the Star Wars films that I was in. Because that felt like the same performance as those Star Wars films. Where he's just going through the motions with the way he portrays his character. I do not buy Adam Driver as an action star. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't buy him as a horror star. I don't buy him as a sci-fi star. I don't know if you could have gotten anybody to play that role very well. But to choose Adam Driver was the worst choice of them all. Because literally, he brought nothing to his character. He just felt emotionless throughout this film. I want to see a character have some emotion Especially when you have action scenes. Like he doesn't have any emotion to the character he's playing. It literally put me to sleep. And I like watching these types of sci-fi, borderline horror films. But, I'm sorry. Adam Driver does not need to be a lead actor. Because he is not a lead actor. He may be a supporting actor. But his presence throughout this entire film really brought this film down. Literally. It's not even a guilty pleasure film. It's just one of those films where I felt like I was watching paint dry. And the lead performance felt like I was watching paint dry. I'm sorry. Adam Driver does not belong as a leading man in Hollywood. Sorry. 65 is proof that he cannot handle a big-time film. And he's not an action star. I'm sorry. Or a horror star, or a sci-fi star. 
Hess's performance in that film was awful. Probably one of the worst lead performances I've seen in a couple of years, quite frankly. As it was nothing good about 65, but it really got hurt by its lead performance. And I'm sorry if I'm going on this rant about Adam Driver, who should not lead a action film, but 65 is definitely Exhibit A in why he should not lead those action sci-fi horror films. We have three more awards in this year's Horror Whammies, and it all has to deal with one film. So, first let's start off with Worst Director. Last year, I had David Gordon Green for Halloween Ends. This year, the sixth annual Horror Whammy for Worst Director goes to Reese Frank Waterfield for Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Waterfield's direction here was equally as horrible as his screenplay. He doesn't do a good job in the way he gets his cast to be interested in the material. Like I said before, this film felt like amateur hour. Waterfield did not do a good job with the way he directed this film. And it really shows in the performances. Everything falls flat. Everyone's annoying. It's just annoying. Seriously. Another thing that Waterfield really doesn't do with this film is able to make sure that everything is running smoothly. Because in your direction, you need to make sure the performances are very good. You need to make sure all aspects of filmmaking are good. This film had none of that. It literally felt like some random indie film that I would watch from SRS Cinema. It's like he did not care about making sure that the action made sense. It felt like characters were running around for 90 minutes. It just got so irritating to watch, literally. And everything in this direction felt sloppy. And when you have sloppy direction, the film's going to suffer. Big time. He doesn't do a good job in making sure that anything in this film works. Whether it's from lighting or making sure his cast is prepared. Nothing felt like that in this film. It was so horrible to watch. It's not even a guilty pleasure film. That's how bad this film is. And a lot of it falls on its director and its writer. And they're both the same. Enough with Worst Director, as we are now on to the last two awards. Worst Indie Film, Worst Film of 2023. Last year for Worst Indie Film, I chose Attack of the 50-Foot Cam Girl. Remember that film? Hashtag this, hashtag that. From Full Moon? Yeah, that film. And worst film last year was Halloween Ends. Yeah, remember that film where Old Man Myers has his mask stolen? Yeah, that film. That did happen in a Halloween film. The sixth annual horror whammy for worst indie film and worst film of 2023 goes to Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. And yes, this is definitely well-deserving of both of those awards. This is an embarrassment to independent filmmaking. The way that Reese Frank Waterfield cheats his way to getting a theatrical release in the United States by using... A fairy tale character. I know, it was a one night theatrical release, but still, you don't see many indie filmmakers just cheat their way to the theaters like Reese Frank Waterfield did with this film. Because if you're going to use a literary character from a fairy tale, it's probably going to be a very bad film. Literally. And I really took exception to the fact that this film got a theatrical release. 
while other indie horror films that are on streaming don't get a theatrical release. I just don't get it. Seriously. This film is crap. It is literally boring. It is filled with everything that makes a film so bad. Bad screenwriting, bad acting, bad direction, bad cinematography. All that stuff is in this film. How did this film get a theatrical release? I just don't get it. And I've seen some indie horror films that struggle to even get distribution. While this film gets an theatrical release and a Blu-ray release from Scream Factory. That is just ridiculous. Seriously. It gives independent filmmaking a bad name. And this film is garbage. It's like giving Glenn Danzig 500 screens across the country. That's how equivalent of bad this is. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey is a film that should have never made it into theaters. It should have never been released by Scream Factory. It should have never been streaming on Peacock. I forgot about that too. It's on Peacock as well. All the stuff that this film achieved by cutting corners. By not being original. I don't like those types of indie filmmaking. I'm sorry. It just gives the whole independent film industry and the film artists a bad name that an independent film like Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey gets all this attention in films that aren't original. Don't. And before you say, oh, what about Terrifier? Terrifier 2. Why did that get a lot of screens? Terrifier 2 is an original film. It was based on an idea by Damien Leone. Winnie the Pooh was based on a children's TV show and children's books. There's a difference. One's or original creation and one's a creation that fell into the public domain to be used now in horror films. You can see why I'm upset at this film. And I saw this film without any bias. And that's how the film came out. As an awful film. And it felt like something I would see from Wild Eye Releasing or SRS Cinema. Not from... Shudder, or Screambox. I'm sorry if I'm ranting about this film getting the success it got this year. Because, literally, that's not what I want in horror films. I want original stories, original ideas. Not stories based off children's books, or based off Amityville. None of that. This brings Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey to five horror whammies the most this year at the horror whammies. With a quick recap of the horror whammies, besides Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey Gang, five horror whammies, Children of the Corner Remake gets three horror whammies, Consecration gets one horror whammy, Bob Iger gets one horror whammy, 65 gets one horror whammy, and Naka the Cabby gets one horror whammy. And that's the sixth annual horror whammies. Hi, I'm Anthony T. And I'm director Andrew Duran, and we are the Two from Hell. And we're putting Rated R back into podcasting. Every month we will be dropping an episode on the Doc Discussions Network. We'll be chatting about some of our favorite films, news, reviews, and maybe interviews. You can find Two From Hell on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast providers. And don't forget to like us on Facebook and 
Instagram at Two From Hell Podcast. Trust me, you're seriously not going to want to miss the show. Every day there's a family struggling with hospital bills to care for their sick child who is fighting an illness. There's a woman who is fighting breast cancer and is having trouble making ends meet while paying for their treatment. And there are burn victims that are going through treatments to heal their deep wounds. There is a charity in the horror community that helps these people. Scares That Care is an organization that helps families deal with the bills for their child. They help women get the treatment they need to fight breast cancer. And they help people who are dealing with severe burns get the help they need to heal. Scaresack Care is a 100% volunteer organization and 501c3 nonprofit charity that is dedicated to helping these people in fighting real monsters. To find out more information or to donate to Scaresack Care, you can go to www.scaresackcare.org. Every donation helps Scares That Care fight real monsters. You can follow Auntie T's Horror and Wrestling Show on these social media providers. At Auntie T's Horror and Wrestling on Facebook, Instagram, and Slasher app. You can find Auntie T's Horror and Wrestling Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast providers. You can also listen to the podcast at YouTube.com slash at Media and DocDiscussions.com What's Anthony T watching this episode? Well, we had all the negativity in this episode with the horror whammy, so why don't we go back to being positive? And highlight one of the films that flew under a lot of people's radars in 2023. Now, to start off with this film, this film is technically a sequel or spin-off to the popular Full Moon franchise, Demonic Toys. As lately, Full Moon Features has been doing spin-offs of Puppet Master with Blade, The Iron Cross... Dr. Death, and they've been doing the same with Demonic Toys. She had like three baby oopsie films. Now they've done another Demonic Toys spinoff film, and the film is Demonic Toys Jack Attack. Now going into this film, I was literally expecting it to be like the baby oopsie films, where it focuses on dark humor and gory deaths. Don't get me wrong, I liked those films, but they were good films. First one was really good, but like declined as it went on with the last two chapters in that trilogy. But when I saw Jack Attack, I was completely shocked, seriously, in terms of the fact that this felt like a serious horror film. I was not expecting a serious horror film, but I got it with Demonic Toys Jack Attack. And it was a surprising film that was very good. Most of it has to do with writer-director William Butler here, as he really does a very good job with the screenplay with this film. I like the fact... That he goes in the opposite direction of Baby Oopsie. Where in Baby Oopsie was more humorous horror. Here is more serious gothic horror. And it really shows when you make a gothic horror film done right. You can make it work. And this is more of a rural horror film. Which usually does not sit well with me. I'm usually not a fan of these southern or rural gothic horror films. Sure, this has that feel to it as well, but it works very well for Demonic Toys Jack Attack, as it gave it a different feel for the series as a whole. He also does a good job with the way he focuses on his main character here. 
as he gives it time to develop the character, even though it's a short film at 59 minutes. He does a really good job focusing on the characters in the film. As there were some characters that you liked, some characters you hate and deserve to get killed off in the film. I also like how he came up with the death scenes in this film. As there were some really good ones in this film. Which is very rare for a full moon film. As that seemed to be the theme with some of these full moon films this year. The death scenes were good. Which usually aren't the case. If you want to see a film with really crazy death scenes from Full Moon, see Bad CGI Gator. That's insane. But back to Demonic Toys Jack Attack. I liked how Butler came up with the death scenes. As it has some really good death scenes in this film. Very gory, to say nonetheless. As they were well executed, had an intense feel to them. He built up the deaths very well, which made it a very interesting film. Another thing that makes this film very good was the performances in this film. I like how the leads carried this film very well. They had great chemistry with each other. Butler made sure that the performances fit the tone of this film. It was another thing that really was one of the film's strong suits, as it was more of a darker film than some of the demonic toys films that you've seen in recent memory. And I pretty much have seen all of them except Demonic Toys 2, which I still don't know why I have not seen that film yet, because I've seen every other Demonic Toys film, including one versus the Dalman. Remember that one? I tend to try to forget that one. But anyway, this is a really good film. I really highly recommend... You go out of your way to pick up the Blu-ray of Demonic Toys Jack Attack. If you're a fan of Full Moon, and a fan of the heyday of Full Moon back in the Paramount era, this is definitely one of those films you should pick up, most definitely. As it seems like this year was some sort of resurgence of Full Moon features. After years of like being stuck in like bad film territory... Where their films are just either okay or really bad. This year they really came back with vengeance. And this was one of the films that really helped Full Moon Features come back to where they were. As this is a very good film. And it definitely was worth the Full Moon streaming subscription. In fact, I really think that whole back half of 2023 was a great series of films from Full Moon Features. As it wasn't a bad film in the bunch. So really go out of your way to check out Demonic Toys Jack Attack, which is currently available on Blu-ray and DVD over at Full Moon Horror. Will be available at retail soon. With a stock and ominous tone to its gory action Demonic Toys Jack Attack is a very entertaining film and is the best Demonic Toys film since the original. Five stars. I can't believe I'm saying that. Even though I was left wanting more, it's a five star film. But anyway, go check out Demonic Toys Jack Attack. Well, that was part one of three. In my look back of 2023, next episode will be the Horror Show Awards highlighting the best in horror. Then the episode after that will be the top 10 films of 2023, where I'll bring a guest on to chat about the top 10 2023 horror films. With that, if you like this podcast, you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora. You can stay current with all the information about the podcast on social media and new episodes dropping over on Facebook, Instagram, and the Slasher app at Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling. And Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling is an official Facebook group as well. 
With that, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a good day. Support indie wrestling. Support indie horror. This has been a Film Arcade Media production.